Hello, and welcome to the Tuesday, February 16th, 2021 episode of The Musical Universe of Professor Hurst. This is Craig W. Hurst, Emeritus Professor of Music, podcasting from my music bunker, along with my faithful canine companion, Carmel the Wonder Dog, here to share with you my latest musical interests and discoveries. I claim no special inside information about the latest or greatest music, nor do I know everything there is to know about music. What I am is a lover of music. I enjoy several genres of music, and I share with you what has currently caught my interest. Old, new, outdated, and everything in between. Even old music is brand new if you have never heard it before. The universe of music is a vast one to enjoy. From my discussions, you might find something new to you and of interest to expand your own musical universe. I currently receive no compensation or motivation of any kind from any recording label, recording artist, or estate of any performer or composer, dead and gone, to discuss their music and or recordings. Now with that out of the way, welcome to my musical universe. My guest today is David Harmonica Miller, a multiple genre harmonicist, vocalist, guitarist, teacher, and owner of David Miller Live Music, a booking and music platform. I have included a link in my show notes to David Miller Live Music. David also serves as president of Jazz Unlimited of Greater Milwaukee. As a member of Jazz Unlimited of Greater Milwaukee myself, I would like you to know it is an organization devoted to support the art of jazz in all its forms and encourage local jazz musicians, composers, and venues by cultivating an interest in jazz through local live performances youth scholarship opportunities, and community outreach throughout the greater Milwaukee area. And I have included a link to the Jazz Unlimited MKE uh, website. Miller is responsible for founding and organizing the Wisconsin Annual Blues Harmonica Festival in 2013 and various tribute blues concerts, such as the James Cotton Tribute Concert in 2017. And there are links for both the Wisconsin Annual Blues Harmonica Festival and also the James Cotton Tribute Concert in my show notes. Born in 1961, Miller was introduced to the harmonica in 1972 by his father. Dave's dad was his mentor. Other influences included Charlie Musselwhite, James Cotton, Billy Branch, Little Walter, Big Walter Horton, Sonny Boy Williamson II, and Junior Wells, to name just a few. He started playing clubs in 1980 and called his group the Dave Miller Band. After some life-changing events, beginning with September 11, 2001, David found how precious life was then and even more today. An epiphany of becoming a full-time musician became reality in 2008. Miller has appeared throughout the Midwest. Venues have included the Wisconsin State Fair, Summerfest, Sherman Fest, and various Chicago nightclubs. Miller has performed with Billy Branch, the legendary Aaron Moore, Willie Kent, 
Billy Flynn, Aaron Burton, and Johnny Rawls. His recording, Blowin' the Blues Away, was released in 2015 and is available on digital platforms and from Amazon and through the music store on his website. I have included in my show notes a link to Dave's music store on his website, as well as other important links uh, on Dave's website, such as the opportunity to donate to David Miller Live Music, uh, to download uh, Dave's Live Music Flyer. I have also included uh, Dave's Facebook page link and also a link on YouTube to one of his performances. It is my pleasure to welcome to my musical universe, David Harmonica Miller. Hello, David. Hi, Craig. How are you? It's great to talk with you. I'm glad to have you on my podcast. And It's great uh, to be here. Thank you. Give my uh, listeners a chance to learn more about you and about the music scene in Milwaukee. Uh, I have uh, a number of listeners from outside of the Milwaukee area. And uh, uh, for my listeners who may be unfamiliar, would you talk a bit about the music scene in the greater Milwaukee area, uh, particularly prior to the COVID-19 shutdown last March? Well, the music scene was, uh, you know, I was, I can speak for myself that I had a few gigs. I was booking some events and um, it seemed like the musicians were, were working fairly consistently. I mean, from what I've heard from other musicians. Um, and, um, and that was the case uh, until the, the shutdown, the COVID-19. And then all of a sudden, uh, full-time musicians like myself um, were really um, having a very, very difficult time. Uh, there's really nothing we can do except uh, record virtually and or perform virtually, I should say, uh, for an audience and then try to collect pains on, uh, on the website and whatnot. But um, I, uh, I chose to wait it out as much as I can until the venues start opening up and the COVID-19 lets up uh, and so forth. You know? uh, and, uh, it is my hope that they come out with the vaccines as soon as possible, of course, so that the musicians uh, can start to play like myself, the full-time musicians can start to make money again. Um, I, I'm not, uh, it, it's, an, it's important for me to, to, um, to make sure that the musicians do get out there as much as possible because I can relate to it and I, I want them to, and I want to book more, and I want to uh, play more as well. Mm -hmm. Well, I know I think every musician I've talked to, uh, including including myself, uh, misses playing for live audience. I mean, I'm getting a lot of practicing done. My chops are in great shape, but I'm really getting tired of playing for just my metronome and my tuner. And uh, so I'm anxious to get out there yeah. in front of uh, a live audience. Um, yes. In, you know, specifically to, uh, you know, the blues as a blues harmonica player, what are some of the venues that you typically would frequent uh, as a performer in the Milwaukee area? Well, I, I played at uh, the Brewtown Eatery, which was uh, it's a place that I hope to get back at uh, uh, very soon. And that's, uh, that's on Howard, 51st and Howard. Um, that I played there every Tuesday with my uh, blues and jazz experience trio with Jeff Stoll, um, uh, Joe Zarconi on drums, and what a powerhouse of back, backing they are. They could play anything from uh, jazz to everything. And, but we, uh, we were having a great time every week there. And uh, of course, after the shutdown, that stopped for a while, but we're going to get back there as soon as possible, as soon as it, the, the vaccines get to the people, we're going we're gonna to start up again. And I will put out a, an announcement when that happens. Um, yeah. 
uh, also um, the um, uh, well the harmonica festival um, that that was shut down so we're I had to reschedule that for uh, you know this year in November the third Friday in November so um, but outside of that the uh, Brewtown was was my main gig um, as far as um, I'm very active in the jazz unlimited community as well. Um, so Joe's K Ranch uh, was another one that was hit very badly. Uh, and we're, I'm going to have the jazz unlimited uh, jam start up uh, very soon. I'm anticipating in February. We had to shut it down for January because of the snowstorm. <laughs> but uh, um, we're going to start up in February again, the fourth Sunday. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, you but, mentioned uh, those are. Uh, oh, go on. Well, I was just going to say you mentioned Jazz Unlimited Milwaukee. Would you tell us a little bit more about that organization? Oh, it is just a big passion of mine. I've been involved with it since uh, 2012. I'm president of Jazz Unlimited of Greater Milwaukee since 2013, and. Uh, um, We've been giving away uh, scholarships since 1971, and this is the 50th year of doing it. And I estimated that we gave away over $300,000 mm -hmm. to young inspiring artists. And some of them have gone on to have famous, uh, pretty famous uh, uh, careers in the jazz business and blues business as well. Mm -hmm. um, I just wanted to make uh, the, uh, tell the audience a little bit about what Jazz Limited is doing this year, we're going to be at Joe's K Ranch on March 21st. And uh, from one to four, we're gonna have the scholarship competition. And um, and this is of course, um, we're, we're assuming we will be there, but hopefully the COVID-19 will be under control and uh, this uh, this won't be uh, you know prevented. So I'm hoping that this event will take place on March. 21st, and we will be giving away $8,000 in scholarships. And if I may just go down the list real quickly, uh, $1,000 Mike Demore Vocalist Live Performance Scholarship, the $1,000 scholarship for the Instrumentalist Live Performance Scholarship, uh, $1,000 Wayne Zim Zimmerman's Showmanship Scholarship, $1,000 Best Jazz Vocalist Scholarship, and uh, three $750 scholarships, best instrumentalist scholarship, uh, one $750 Frank DeMiles uh, Memorial Award Piano Scholarship, one $500 TAPS for veterans from Bill Seaman, and uh, two $250 Theodore Ted Pepys Memorial Youth Scholarship Awards. So in all, it's 11 scholarship awards, totaling $8,000 at, again, it's a Joe's K Ranch from March on March 21st from one to four and it's it's a free event uh, for everybody to come in of course we do take donations as usual but uh, um, this is uh, in, in my opinion one of the the longest running jazz organizations in the country and celebrating 50 years of giving away scholarships every year so we've done a lot and uh, outreach is what we're all about we want to um, if I don't mind, if you don't mind me going on and elaborating a little bit, but oh, I really ahead. love the fact that Jazz and Jazz and has a lot of outreach, and they want to get the jazz uh, out there to, especially the younger people out there, and it's important to keep that out there. Um, you know, uh, not only um, among the people listening to the CDs, but also on the radio and the media. So we want to make sure we get uh, you know jazz and blues out there as well to the people and the younger people mm -hmm. well certainly to keep any art, art form alive we have to uh, nurture the next generation and uh, you know not only as far as performers but uh, even audiences 
Um, so yeah. it's, uh, you know, that's an important thing. Earlier, you talked a little bit about the, uh, the Wisconsin uh, Blues Harmonica Festival. Would you tell us a little bit more about how that got started and some of the past festivals? I know you mentioned you were canceled this, this year because of COVID, but kind of enlighten us a little bit about what's gone on in the past and what we can expect in the future. Well, I, yeah, I, uh, first of all, I, before I forget, I just want to say programs like yours, Craig, uh, do help perpetuate in the awareness of music. So I appreciate that, that you're doing that. That's great. And um, back to the Harmonica Festival, I started in 2013. Uh, I'm passionate about harmonica, been so since I was 11 years old, but I'm also passionate about the blues. And uh, that's where my roots are, the blues. Um, and in 2013, I've always wanted to have a festival where I could book several musicians you know, make sure that a lot of musicians get to take part in this. And, and it's been my dream to do that. And I started in 2013. I met a gentleman who, who had passed away recently, uh, Tom Radai. And Tom Radai was uh, an enormous booking agent, um, booked Jimmy Rogers and the Rolling Stones. He booked that famous concert with Jimmy Rogers, the Rolling Stones. Um, he booked many concerts in many venues, um, and um, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on, on some of the names, but uh, Tom Radai is a legendary promoter, and he's been, he was doing that for many, many years, and so I, I hooked up with him because he mentored me on promoting. He taught me how to do this and how to do that, and uh, so we partnered up on the Wisconsin Annual Blues uh, Harmonica Festival for several years. And then, like I said, he passed away a couple years ago. Uh, but I learned a lot from, from his mentorship. And I, you know, it's, it's a big loss and a big hole in my heart. But he did teach me a lot and a lot about the blues, a lot about, um, you know, uh, promoting and so forth. But anyway, um, the Harmonica Festival, before I uh, get away from that, is the third Friday in November, and it's uh, at um, the Suburban Bourbon in Muskego. Mm -hmm. And it's from 6 to 10, November 19th. Um, if I may say, tickets are available at the Wisconsin Annual Blues Harmonica Festival, all that in one word, uh, dot eventbrite.com. And that's, that's where the tickets are available there. Uh, we really sincerely hope that our fans at the Blues will um, will connect to uh, that uh, ticket site, and then they'll, le they'll learn about the listing of who's going to be playing there. Reverend Raven will be there. Robert Allen Jr. will be there. Um, uh, Matt Leiben on drums. Uh, Bill Stone on guitar. Steve Cohn on harmonica. Little Rev. Uh, uh, Cadillac Pete uh, and Blues Heart Jimmy. Uh, I'll be playing a little bit myself, but it, it is. It's, it's it's just so much fun and really gives me a lot of um, good feeling in, in bringing people together and, and playing the blues together. Right? I like supporting musicians. I like doing that. It's a passion of mine. And uh, this festival is is a is a huge job for me, but I enjoy it. Oh, great. Great. It's a labor of love. And uh, I imagine it's, it is. It's, it's a lot of work, but it doesn't feel like a job. It is. <laughs> hey, well, getting a little closer to home as far as, uh, you know, you and your artistic work, tell, uh, tell my audience about your release, Blowing the Blues Away, and some of the music on the release. Well, that... Yeah, that release is uh, was almost 15 years in the making. It was, uh, it was a, a long time, as many composers and writers know. Uh, they, it, you know, it takes sometimes a long time to write a song. Sometimes it doesn't. You can just write it in one day. But um, I accumulated all those songs over a 15-year period. It's uh, um, 12 songs, my originals, um, accumulated from a lot of life experiences, so forth, through many years. 
and um, uh, it's uh, it was it was just another passion of mine, along with the harmonic festival, of course. And I recorded it with my band, uh, who's no longer together because the guitar player had retired um, uh, for various reasons, and so so he was the main he was the backbone my guitar player and uh, we decided that once he goes we'll just have to go our own way but anyway uh steve uh, steve was the guitar player and uh, we had the grant on bass and bruce on drums and myself on, on harmonica and guitar as well but we had a great time doing it and um blowing the blues away is uh, i think it's all over the place and i really wanted to get it out there as much as possible we did re I released it in 2015, and uh, it was um, uh, it's sold everywhere um, at the record store, a local record store out there. Uh, at, uh, I'm drawing a blank on the name of it now. It's a famous record store in the. In the um, uh, well, anyway, I'll, I'll move on. Um, you can buy it online and so forth. But if you go to my music store, davidmiller.us forward slash music store, um, you know, you'll, you'll get a, you'll see where it's all listed. Sure. But I, um, outside of that, 12 songs, it took me a while to do. Um, it was my passion and uh, really a lot of, a lot of, a lot of work, but it really, it paid off. I mean, the satisfaction of getting my music out there. Uh, and I hope a lot of people enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Well, let's, since you brought up about your original uh, writing, tell us uh, about your creative process. Do you start with a melodic idea, a rhythmic idea, a set of chord changes, or a mood or image? I start off with a. Yeah, I um. I start off with a, a lot of composers start off different ways. Obviously, I mean. The inspiration that you get, but my the way I started off with is an idea, is an idea about a relationship or whatever it might be, and then I I put that to words, and then I put it to a melodic uh, that that melody that fits the words. So that's the way I go about it myself. Like I said, everybody has a different way of doing it, um, and the melodies. Uh, uh, would vary according to how the words are formed and the sentences are formed and so forth. So, you know, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a changing thing every time, um, every time I write a song. So, but mm -hmm. basically that's the way, the way it goes. I don't have any, uh, go on. Well, I was going to say, I'm sure there's a great deal of revision uh, as you work through the process. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. The uh, um, when we recorded the CD, it was all done live, and we did it. Um, we only had a few takes, but I feel and the uh, person who recorded us had um, decided that that's the best way to go, and we decided to go that way. But um, we basically uh, performed it the way we've always performed it live, and and. Um, it, uh, it was a lot of uh, a lot of fun doing that, but yes, like you said, when I when people like myself when I create a song, I go through many revisions, and sometimes I end up throwing it out. <laughs> you know, it's not if it just doesn't work well. You know, but um, I try, I try. I, I don't have any new ones in the horizon. I mean, I have a few songs that I haven't released yet, but. I'm still. I still want my release in 2015 to uh, to make some more headway. Basically, I need. I would like to sell some more, obviously, <laughs> and uh, so I'm a full-time musician and promoter. So, well, I was just going to ask you if you are writing any new music. Can you kind of give us a little uh, hint or preview at what you're working on? Well, um, 
I had a song that didn't make it on my CD because we had decided, well, are we going to go with, was, was I going to go with 12 or 13 songs? I ended up going with 12. But there was one song that was left. I was called Crazy for My Baby. And um, I really liked that song a lot, but we just never cut it into the CD. Um, and, and then there's some instrumentals which I had, um, I, I grew up on big band music, by the way. Uh, my mm -hmm. dad had played big band all his life. So whenever I think of that, I think of like um, in the mood, Glenn Miller's in the mood, or uh, I think of songs like that. And I think of horn sections when I play my harmonica. So um, going back to uh, what you said, um, when I make songs, it's the melody. Sometimes I think of melodies from blues harmonic players like Little Walter or Big Walter Horton, Sonny Boy Williamson. Um, I tried to think of riffs like that. And local artists, Steve Cohn, Jim Leibin. I think of uh, putting together riffs uh, of, of people locally here too as well. But I, I hear when I hear horn sections of your guitar, I try to take those riffs and put them in my arm. Well, if you but yeah, right now, go on. Well, I was going to say, if you cover an already recorded or performed song, and certainly, I, I, I don't think you would disagree with the idea that there is a certain canon of music that's related to the style we call the blues. I mean, uh, you know, by particular artists, I mean, uh, that uh, have been, you know, were foundational to American blues. I mean, whether it's a Muddy Waters song or a Howlin' Wolf song or whatever. So if you cover an already recorded or performed song, what draws you to a particular song that makes you want to perform it? What gets under your skin to no. say, you know, I want to do that tune? That's an excellent question. Um, I've always been a firm believer of uh, uh, eclectic music. I like to perform a song, not only of a, it could be a standard blues structure of a 12 bar, eight bar, but it could also be more of a rock blues. I've always liked John Mayle because he had a blues jazz fusion uh, way about him as well. So when I play something, I'm inspired by the artist that I used to listen to uh, Lee Oscar. I love Lee Oscar, and he's mm -hmm. actually one of my um, supporters of the Harmonica Festival. Um, and um, he sends me harmonica every year to to put out there and, and uh, um, on the raffle and sell it as a raffle. But uh, I'm inspired by the artist, and that's what makes me want to sing it. And like, for instance, in my CD, I have a song called Blowing the Blues Away. And it's more of a rock blues feel. And it's fashioned after Steve Miller. Uh, I, always, I was a fan of Steve Miller back in, back in the days. Mm -hmm. And uh, Steve Miller was a blues man too. Mm -hmm. So he, uh, when mm -hmm. I listened to his music, I, it kind of inspired me. So I fashioned that song after one of Steve Miller's songs. Uh, and it, it's, it's not the same arrangement, obviously, but it's, it's, it has a lot of the, um, the characteristics of it because I've always loved to know. But anyway, uh, little Walter, big Walter, Warren, Sonny Boy, Williamson. When I play, I try to I try to put the, my inspiration in there. Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, let's uh, shift gears a little bit. Uh, share with us about your teaching. How many students? And for those that study harmonica, what is the primary draw for them? Well, for people that I've encountered who wanted to learn harmonica, um, some were adults, some were, um, you know, novices of the harmonica, some were very young students. Um, and sometimes it's, it's driven by, if, if they're very young, it's driven by their family, their parents saying, well, what would you like to learn? Well, harmonic, okay. And uh, um, 
I've had actually a lot of students throughout the years. I started teaching in 1995 and um, I, I taught uh, um, at a music store for many years. Uh, um, and now because of this COVID, I teach virtually, I teach online. And um, I have, right now, I only have one student and that's on a hiatus right now. So it has been a very dry situation all around, not only for teaching, but for playing. But um, the younger students, and I'm talking uh, teens, children, who are driven by their parents and say, well, how would you like to take the lesson? Those, those students soak up so much. It's amazing. It's just amazing. Uh, of course, the adults soak up a lot too. And I like teaching all kinds of music, the theory of, of harmonica, how it's based, uh, the positions of the harmonica, um, and um, and I'll teach all kinds of genres from country to rock, um, jazz, blues, whatever. You know, I, I I like to get into all of it. Okay, great, great. Um, let's uh, shift gears again, uh, kind of uh, from teaching to the business side. Uh, tell my audience about David Miller Music, your booking and music platform. Uh, specifically, what are you looking for to book a band? And then how would a performer contact you for your services? Okay. What I'm looking for, and it's almost, um, if I may revert back to the comparison of writing a song, you have different, I have different ways of starting things. And in order for me to book a musician, I have to have a venue that will allow me to compile the music into it. And I'm looking right now, Suburban Bourbon is very gracious to give me a venue to have my harmonica. Mm -hmm. for. Um, uh, Joe's K Ranch could be a possibility as well. And Jerry, who owns the uh, venue, is also a musician himself. So he's very, very sympathetic of music. Um, so the two venues, especially Suburban Bourbon, uh, Joe's K Ranch will do music as well. You know, they do that for Jazz Unlimited, um, will allow me to bring musicians together. Now, when I look for musicians, jazz and blues is my specialty. I, I love it, it's my passion. So I'll look for musicians that are passion, passionate about the, uh, promoting their music as well. That's important. Not for me to promote it, but for the musicians themselves to put the word out. So if I may make a recommendation um, that I would really, I think it's a very healthy thing for musicians to talk about their music quite a bit, um, put it out there on social media, emails, uh, word of mouth is the best way to let people know about things. And, uh, you know, shows like yours, Craig, really do uh, help to spread the word. And um, they can go to my website at davidmiller.us uh, forward slash promotions. And that's where I basically laid out, lay out a very skeleton, uh, generic description of my promoting. Um, and right now I'm promoting the Harmonica Festival. I put a lot of musicians together every year. Um, I also promote, uh, it, it's, I'm not paid for, but I promote the Jazz Unlimited of Greater Milwaukee. Every every month they promote the jamsions and the concerts they promote. So those are the things I like to do. And that's all on my website at davidmiller.us. Um, you can also, if I may say, um, I have two tabs. I have the promotions tab and I also have the promo pack tab. The promo pack tab basically talks about my uh, uh, projects that I have going on. Um, and it elaborates about the bands that I'm using right now. The promotions tab, though, is the booking, mainly the booking tab. Though. Yeah. Okay. So well, I'm, I'm not sure okay. I answered. Well, I think that if well, there are any of my audience interested in looking for, you know, a booking agent, they'll have at least the means to find you and and consider your right. your service. So that's 
you know, that's important. And particularly if they're in the, you know, Milwaukee area and, you know, the majority of my listeners, uh, although I have listeners all over the world, the majority of my listeners are in the United States and a good chunk of them are right here in Wisconsin. So, so uh, that would be good. Well, what do you see yourself doing as soon as you learn that uh, it's safe again for us to socially distance in the manner that we were able to do before COVID-19? In other words, when it's safe to go out again? Yes, uh, it's, uh, we all hope so. We really do. We really hope so. And uh, my prayers go out to everybody struggling with it. I had COVID-19 myself. Um, I, I struggled with it. And I know a lot of people that have, and I know some people that passed away. Um, it's a horrible thing. But my prayers go out to everybody about that. And uh, uh, anyway, I my hope is this, is that once the vaccines get into the arms and bodies of everybody, that they're able to have the confidence to go out and listen to live music, support live music. I've been a constant, I've been putting that out, I should say, for many, many years, support live music, asking uh, fans to go out and support your local groups. if you don't support live music, it it's it's going to make it much more difficult for venues to support their bands. So you must you must do that. It's, it's uh, uh, so as soon as things get better, um, and uh, things are starting up a little early. I'm starting up early. I'll be starting um, it, uh, playing at uh, a place called Brewtown Eatery, as I mentioned mm-hmm. before. Also, Debar, uh, which is in West Dallas, it's uh, 1900 South uh, 60th Street. Um, I'm playing there with my quartet with uh, Jeff Stoll, Tom Source, and Joe Zarconi, and myself. And what a powerhouse mm-hmm. group that's going to be. But anyway, um, mm-hmm. we're starting there April 9th. And so certain places are starting up early. Um, you may want to, um, I think people should be wearing masks, even with the vaccinations, mm-hmm. until everything is safe everything is clear. So wear masks when you go out. Um, I do anticipate, and this is something that I'm, I really sincerely feel is that this is a a historical time. As we all know, it's a historical time, not only in tragedy of the, of the COVID-19, but it also is with the economy. Now with the starting up bars and venues, I should say, are going to be looking for, for, a way to drum up business. And music can do that for the business. So um, uh, musicians should take advantage of this because we're starting out brand new almost right now. So go into the venues, and if I may say so right now, ask enough money when you're going in to play. (laughs) Venues wanna hire, they wanna hire a band for as little as possible. But when you're playing full time, you gotta, you have to have a certain, amount of money that you want to ask for. So make sure you ask enough. I'm not going to say how much because that's, that can be relative to, um, yeah. but um, that's, impo- it's important. Once you get starting, when you start up and play, I go to the venues, you want to uh, um, make sure you ask enough money. Like I said, uh, approach the appropriate venues for your music. And for me personally, um, I, I look for venues that uh, the people of appreciate blues and jazz. And um, it's important to, you know, match the genre with the appropriate venue. So this is an exciting time, a really exciting time, actually, to start music up again. The venues are mm-hmm. aching to, to get going, to make some money. And once they start the music up, we want to go in their gang hall. We want to we play, uh, hit all those bars and venues. So I anticipate trying to get those venues and, and trying to um, start playing as much as I can with my with my uh, blues and jazz experience quartet or trio you know, that I've got going on right now. Sure. Well, I try to I try to maintain uh, a positive spin on all of this by reminding people that 
at the conclusion of the, of the Hundred Years' War and the great plagues of the 14th century, we experienced the Renaissance. And at the end of World War I, and also the end of the Spanish flu epidemic, which really wasn't clear until about 1920, we then had the Roaring Twenties. We had the Jazz Age. And I'm right there with you, Dave. I think that people are going to be hungry. They're going to be famished, in fact, to get out and socialize and hear live music. And I agree that we can help venues. Uh, in other words, we can be entrepreneurs with the idea of providing a service to help venues get themselves back in the black and, and going again. So I, uh, I'm looking forward to that time as well. Well, you know, you yes. mentioned just a little bit earlier about uh, you were doing some live streaming, but do you have any current recording projects planned or in the works for the for the near future? Well, at, at this point, I, I don't, but I am considering, and we're we're talking. It's in the kind of uh, talking about this right now. I should say. Uh, um, doing a live recording uh, with the band that I play with in uh, either Brewtown Eatery or uh, another venue. But I think Brewtown Eatery, because we play there every, we've been playing there every Tuesday. So, um, and a lot of musicians come through and sit in, and that, that, that venue, I should say, supports live music. They book bands on the weekends as well. So it's, it's a win-win situation, not only for the people who come out to sit in with us, but also they, you know, they can get hired for the weekends with, with their bands. Um, but uh, at this point, um, if I do any recording, it would be, it would have to be, I think, probably a live recording at a venue. And uh, I've known people that to do that, and it's, uh, it's an interesting thing. You know, I, I do like doing my um, originals though, because uh, the fact that I have more freedom, more freedom to, um, to express myself. Um, when you're doing covers, you have to be careful with copyright laws and so forth. And, and licensure. Uh, I, and licensure. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. So when you, when you, you write your own music, I really had a lot of freedom to do that. And, uh, you know, even though some songs are tapered after some standard blues or like I said, some modern rock, like Steve Miller and so forth. Mm -hmm. It still is my music. I wrote it, and, and I have that process and that freedom, I should say, to do it. But um, I I would encourage all musicians to to do I mean to do to do the covers to write their own music. That's important, just to get the music out of some place. So. Mm -hmm. Well, very good. Well, David, is there anything else you'd like to add or tell my audience that I haven't asked you about? Well, I, I would like to tell everybody um, that because the Harmonica Festival is a big, uh, a big uh, uh, personal experience in my life that I wanted to get out and I want the people to see it. Um, the Harmonica Festival is every third Friday in November. So it's November 19th of this year at the Suburban Bourbon uh, from six to 10. Um, and tickets are available at the Wisconsin Annual Blues Harmonica Festival dot eventbrite dot com. Um, also, and that's at Suburban Bourbon. I don't know if I mentioned. Um, Jazz Unlimited is another passion. And every fourth Sunday, we have it at Joe's K Ranch. So people should go there to check it out. It is amazing, amazing music. Every fourth Sunday, one to four at Joe's K Ranch. We have a different band. I, I put in different bands. This coming uh, fourth Sunday will be uh, February 28th, I believe it is, with Suzanne Prezana. And she's a uh, Grammy uh, award-winning singer and, and sax player. Um, amazing music. So support Jazz Unlimited. Uh, come on down. We'd love to have you as a member. And uh, um, it's uh, memberships can be, uh, by the way, to learn more about Jazz Unlimited Greater Milwaukee, go to Jazz Unlimited MKE, uh, Mary Kelly Edward. 
mke.org, so jesuitmke.org. It'll give you more information of our historical background. Mm -hmm. Well, very good. Well, David, thank you for taking time to uh, talk with me today. And I certainly wish you, you all the best with what I'm sure will be a continued successful musical future. Greg, I really appreciate it. And again, thank you so much for doing what you do. It's, it really has a great impact on the music community. Well, very good. Well, thank you and have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. My discovery composer this week is Jan Sandström, who is among the most frequently performed Swedish composers on the international scene today. His motorbike concerto for trombone and orchestra has over 600 performances to its credit since its premiere in 1989. Sandström's catalog includes music for various ensembles, for choir, opera, ballet, and for radio theater, but above all for orchestra, with or without soloist. His second trombone concerto, Don Quixote, likewise written for Christian Lindbergh, and his two trumpet concertos for Hachen Hardenberger are also widely performed. <clears throat> Sandstrom was born in Wilhelmina in Lapland in 1954 and grew up in Stockholm. His university education began by studying counterpoint in Stockholm with Valdemar Söderholm and then at the University School of Music in Pitayot. Sandström completed his training at the Royal Academy of Music in Stockholm, studying music theory and composition with Gunnar Bucht, Brian Fernihoff, and Par Lindgren. In 1982, he was asked to join the development of new music at the young and expanding University School of Music in Piteot. Sandstrom was appointed professor of composition at the university in 1989. Jan Sandstrom began his musical career as a chorister and his work list includes a large part of vocal, opera, and choral music. His choral music seems to form a link with an inner gentle world, the emotional abstract. Sandstrom often deals with the, na the naive, ordinary feelings, ordinary people, the misunderstood hero. A critic once wrote that he composes music that pats you on the hand and says, there, there, it'll be all right. Different lines of composing coexist in Sandstrom's music. Minimalism, Eastern philosophy, as well as the world of serialism were early influences on his music. For many years, he also worked at developing the form of overtone harmony that is known as spectral analysis. In more musical theatrical pieces as Don Quixote and his opera Macbeth II, which premiered in 2001, he means to let the whole world outside in on stage. Sandstrom and his music is constantly on the move, aiming to explore whatever aspect of life and music takes his fancy. Every morning when I wake up, I want to be surprised by whatever I might think up today, says Sandstrom. The All Music Guide lists four recordings of Sandstrom's chamber music, 12 recordings of choral music, nine recordings of concerti, one of his keyboard work 
Campane in Cami Aperti for piano, five works, or five recordings of works for orchestra, and one recording of the work for male vocal ensemble, The Singing Apes of Kao Yai. In my show notes is a YouTube link to a performance of Sandstrom's The Singing Apes of Kao Yai, performed by the all-male Svanholm Singers, directed by Sophia Söderberg at the International Baltic Sea Choral Competition. Well, that wraps episode number 17. My show notes, along with links to artists' websites, recording label websites, YouTube videos of artists' performances, are all posted on my Facebook page, The Musical Universe of Professor Hurst. Coming up next week will be my interview with Matt Antoniewicz, a Milwaukee-area trumpet player and musical entrepreneur. Upcoming interviews will be with First Lady of the Blues in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Miss Freddie Stover, big band leader, composer, and arranger, Alan Ferber, LA-based studio musician and baritone saxophonist, Terry Landry, and country music up-and-comer, singer-songwriter, Casey Ahern. So don't touch that dial and stay tuned. If you have questions, comments, or a suggestion of an artist, composer, or musical style for me to consider, you may email me at h-u-r-s-t-c at u-w-m dot e-d-u. So, until next time, this is Professor Craig W. Hurst and Carmel the Wonder Dog signing off from the musical universe of Professor Hurst. Have a great day.